Ephesians chapter 3, our, our theme this year is life is a church. And the whole idea and concept of that statement, life is a church, is that life and church are two things that God created. They're God's ideas. And as believers and followers of Christ, we are, we're alive, but we're also commanded to be part of a local church. That's an absolute commandment from the word of God. So it's important that we as followers of Christ learn and understand and practice the idea of having our life outside the church and our life inside the church merge together and blend together and weave itself together so that life truly becomes a church. And what you do in here reflects in what you do out there. And we're talking about, <clears throat> uh, last week we started this message, the life church influence. The influence that your church has in your life. Ephesians chapter 3, beginning at verse 16, we read these words. I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being. So that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ, and to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Remember last week, the very beginning of verse 19 <clears throat> is a very interesting statement that is written there for us, to know the love that surpasses knowledge. That simply means that knowing the love of Christ and getting to know Jesus and the relationship that you're building with him, hopefully the relationship that you started at the time of your acceptance and your salvation and you continue every day, is a lifelong journey. It's a lifelong pursuit of knowing Jesus and getting to understand the love of Christ and what it means to you in your life. Now, the life church influences, we're, we're going down this road with it. If you've been here for any length of time, you'll know that one of our taglines is relationships build churches. And it's true that relationships build churches. That's what uh, doing this, uh, the baby dedication today was all about, is bringing these families, these young families before the church and saying, uh, we're part of new life, you're part of us, and we want to commit to you covenant with God and covenant with you as a church community to raise these children to honor Jesus Christ. But just as sure as relationships build churches, relationships can also destroy churches and can destroy lives. So it's important that when we look at the relationships in our lives and we look at the relationships that we invest in, that we do so with wisdom, understanding, and godliness and biblical, uh, biblical teaching so that we invest in the right kind of relationships and the right relationships that will benefit us. We talked about some different relationships that are, that are in the Bible. Uh, friendships. We looked at, uh, we mentioned David and Jonathan, which is an amazing relationship. The, the, the key, I think, to David and Jonathan's uh, friendship, it was a, just a deep friendship, but it was a covenant friendship. It was a friendship of promise. These two men promised each other things. And I think that's one area that is missing in relationships today. Uh, many people, uh, whether it be a, a marriage, whether it be a friendship, whether it be a church, it's too easy to walk away nowadays, isn't it? It's just too easy to walk away. There's no covenant anymore. 
in many relationships. People don't, don't really take seriously what it means to be invited into somebody's life, invited into, into a relationship that helps build and grow them. So we started looking at these and we said this, that church is an influence in your life. The kind of influence that it has is for you to decide. And the first point in that was this, church is a source of light to help you in your walk. The, the world simply darkens the path. So it is important for us that we choose relationships that lighten up our path with godliness rather than those who darken it with sin. Can I, can I just drop a knowledge bomb on you? Please. Not, thank you. Not everybody in church is walking closely with Jesus Christ in their life. Not everybody that calls themselves a Christian is as passionate as about their faith and their personal growth and walk as you may want to be. So therefore, when you begin relationships in your life, especially in the church, that are going to influence you and your walk with Christ and the way you express your faith and the way you exercise your faith, and most importantly, the way you grow in your faith, man, it is so vital that you have the right kind of relationships, the kind of relationships with people who are grounded in the scriptures. I'm not talking about people that have, you know, 17 different Bible degrees and, and uh, all these different, al the different alphabet after their name. I'm talking about people who have walked with the Lord and are walking with the Lord and whose life evidences the fact that they desire to follow Jesus Christ. Those people who find every excuse never to go to a Bible study are probably people that aren't really going to sharpen your spiritual sword. Those people that don't, when you go to them for advice and counsel or just you're, you're down for the day and they don't encourage you with scripture or maybe even pray with you, those are probably not relationships you want to invest in to grow in your faith. They may be relationships you invest in to help them and to bring them along, but not people that will sharpen you as iron sharpens iron. It does matter who it is that you allow into your circle of influence in your life and walk with Jesus. Not just anyone should have that kind of access. Not just anyone should have that kind of access. And it, is, it does matter how you let those people affect your walk with Jesus Christ. I remember as a youth pastor, um, <sighs> dating, right? All you fathers and mothers that are blessed with um, daughters, sons are, are okay too, but Gentlemen, fathers, am I right? A boy you could take for a walk in the woods, and the way he responds to that walk determines whether he ever comes out. <laughs> am I right? Amen. Yeah, absolutely. A girl is different. And don't, you know, God, don't care, call me sexist, I don't care. I raised two of them. Um, not just any Joe footlocker is going to walk into my house and take my daughter out on a date. Right. Not if I have anything to say about it. And I did. I did. 
Same thing with my granddaughter, Lorelai. I don't, yeah, young man, we can have a conversation. I'm sure, and Zach will have that conversation and I'll be right there for backup. <laughs> because, because I knew as a, as a youth pastor that teenagers could be pursuing Jesus Christ and then somebody would walk into the picture and bat those eyes or the young men, I don't know what it is that, you know, whether he flexes his muscles or something, you know. Uh, and all of a sudden, that young lady or that young man who was pursuing Jesus Christ is now pursuing something else. It's the same way in, with adults in church. We are not immune to peer pressure. As we'll see later on, make sure you're the peer that's applying the right pressure, the pressure for Jesus Christ. The second area, this is, this is new this week. What, we're gonna, what I want to bring out about uh, the church being an influence in your life is this. The relationships that you cultivate are the relationships that will bear fruit. The relationships that you cultivate are the relationships that will bear fruit. Now, it's, it's getting close to spring, and many of you will be planting gardens, you'll be planting, uh, you know, growing fruits and vegetables or, or flowers or whatever it is. And you know that the kind of return on that, uh, on, on that work depends on how much work you put into it. If you don't weed, if you don't make sure that it has plenty of water if there's no rain, if you don't take care of that harvest, that, that, those plants while they're growing, you're not gonna have much of a return on your investment. In relationships, it's the same thing. The relationships that you cultivate are the relationships that will bear fruit. And the kind of fruit they bear depends on the relationship, on the kind of relationship that you, you choose to develop. I would ask you that important, pertinent question. What are you looking for in relationships and from relationships within the church? What are you looking for? Are you looking for information? We all know people like that, right? People who, are, are, who, who want to be the receptacle of information. They want to know everything they possibly can know. They're right in the middle of everything so that they can get as much information as possible because they want to be in the know. Not so they, they don't want to help people out, they just want to be in the know. Well, what kind of relationships are you developing? Do you pray about the relationships that you're getting into? Do you pray about the friendships and say, God, help me to find somebody in my life that can help me in my walk, that will lift me up when I fall, that will strengthen me when I'm weak, and that I can help through difficult times as well. Let it be a reciprocal relationship, God, that helps me to grow and helps me to help someone else to grow. In other words, when it comes to relationships in church, choose your friends wisely. Choose your friends wisely. And remember the law of sowing and reaping. The law of sowing and reaping. We find that in Galatians chapter 6, verses 7 through 9, where God says this, Don't be deceived. God is not mocked. In other words, you can't make a fool of God. And God will not make a fool of himself. What God promises will come to pass. What God lays out in his word will come to pass. 
If God puts a system in place and says this will be the result of this action, then you've been, you can bank on it that that's exactly what's going to happen. He says, don't be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever a person sows, he will also reap. Because the one who sows to his flesh will reap destruction from the flesh. But the one who sows to the Spirit will reap eternal life from the Spirit. Let us not get tired of doing good, for we will reap at the proper time if we don't give up. How many, of you, how many of you served in the military? A lot of, lot of uh, individuals who served in the military. How many of you are paying a price now with aches and pains from the, <laughs> from, yes, absolutely, from times you served in the military? Uh, how many of you played sports when you were younger? And you might have played them a little bit harder than you probably should have. How many in your, in your older years are paying the price for the way you played those sports. Exactly. What you sow, you'll reap. What you, what you do, you may not pay the price when you're 22 years old. I was limping a little bit today, and Melvin looked at me and says, everything okay? And I said, ah, you know, the weather uh, hurting my leg a little bit and, and a little bit too much of the gym, and he said, now, the weather you can't control, but you sure can control how much you do at the gym. It's like, shut up, Melvin. Nobody asked your, your opinion. Okay? You can leave now. Right? God is not mocked. God will not be made a fool of. What you plant is what you're going to harvest. And that is a principle that proves true in relationships. <laughs> Listen, if you plant gossip, guess what you're going to reap? Gossip. If you plant mistrust and distrust and lies, guess what you're going to reap? The exact same thing. But if you plant godliness, if you plant scripture, if you plant principles that for are, are principles from the Bible for building a godly life, guess what's going to happen? That's what's going to bear fruit in your life and in that relationship. Hey, husbands and wives, you want a strong marriage based on the principles of the Word of God? Then sow into your marriage principles from the Word of God. Sit down and talk about the Word of God. Gina, <clears throat> is Gina here? Oh, there you go. Okay. I was looking behind. There's so many tall people. I was like, Gina's right there. <laughs> Gina gave me a book a while ago called Bait of Satan. And Aaron and I are reading that book together right now. And it's, it's, it, we're reading it with tears because that, it, there's such depth and there's such truth there. And, man, you, you, you go through it and it, it's, there's such good information. With our sons, we're trying to do family devotions and read, read some, some scriptures with them and some, some stories with them. Why? Because I want to sow or plant into my family, into my marriage, into my children, the Word of God, so that the benefit of the Word of God will be, will bring forth fruit in my marriage and in my sons. I want to see that happen. If you want to have successful relationships, what you plant is what you're going to harvest. And it's important to understand that.
If you plant godliness, love, and trust in the right people, then that is exactly what you will get in return. But if you plant gossip, sin, and anger, then that's what you will harvest as well. It's a spiritual law of God. An anonymous quote is, a good friend shouldn't be just someone to hang out with, but someone who encourages and challenges us to be more like Jesus in our everyday lives. That's what a good friend should be. I have a, a rare relationship with my oldest son, Zach. We, uh, we've always been close. Uh, it's, it's a requirement in my house. If you're a male, uh, actually, what am I, my wife has, she's under that law now too. If you're a male in my house, you have to be a Dodgers fan. You cannot, it's, you cannot be anything else. Um, Zach and I have the love, that love, we have the love of baseball, and we've cultivated that through the years. And, and as, our year, as our relationship has grown and as the time has gone by, as Zach, is, uh, Zach has entered into his 30s now and he's married and he has two children of his own, our relationship has gone from uh, father and son. It's still there, but Zach and I are very close as friends now. And in that relationship, we can, we can call each other on things. And I can go to him and say, hey, bud, we, we need to talk about this. And he can come to me. And this is, this is, a, new, this is a new revelation with Zach uh, in the last couple of years. He'll come to me and say, hey, dad, um, we need to talk about this. I don't think, I, I'm not really sure this is right, what we're doing here. And maybe we could do this a different way. And that, you know what? It's brought a new element to our relationship, but it's also borne a lot of fruit in our relationship. And it's helped us to become better men. I know it's helped me to become a better man. A good friend shouldn't just be somebody who you can go hang out with. It should be somebody who makes you want to be like Jesus more every day in your life. Amos 3.3 says, can two walk together without agreeing on the direction? It's a New Living Translation of that. Can two walk together except they agree on the direction they're going? How many of you, I know is, we saw the new Dr. Doolittle movie. Um, that's my life now is watching kids' movies. And the one character that I miss in Dr. Doolittle, and some of you younger folks might not know this, some of you older folks might. How many of you remember the Push Me, Pull You? Push Me, Pull You. That was like my favorite character in Dr. Doolittle. It was, it was a llama, and the llama didn't have a tail. It had two heads, one on each end. And if, if each head wanted to go its own way, the, the llama would never get anywhere. The push-me-pull-you would never get anywhere. In order for the push-me-pull-you to go somewhere, the two heads had to agree on the direction they were going. And I think that is very much like the relationships that are beneficial to our walk with the Lord, especially in the church. If, if the two people in the relationship don't agree on the direction, then you're not going to get anywhere. You truly aren't going to get anywhere. That's why the Bible says, what, what fellowship does light have with darkness? If you're not going to agree on the, the direction of following Jesus Christ and you've got somebody in your life that, gosh, gee whiz, they're really nice people, but they don't care about the things 
God, and they don't care about what the Word of God says, and they're going to do what they want to do, more than likely, that's not the kind of person you want in your life to help you build up yourself in your faith. You may wonder why you struggle and why you, you don't grow and why those relationships don't bear any fruit because those relationships, are you truly planting, are both people truly planting into that relationship what God wants out of it? Mother Teresa said this, some people come into our lives as blessings, some people come into our lives as lessons. I think that's important to remember. Some people in your life are a blessing and some people in your life are a lesson. Thirdly, lastly, the relationships you cultivate will influence your worldview and your morality. The relationships that you cultivate will influence your worldview and your morality. This is a biblical fact and a life lesson to be learned. Make sure you're building relationships that encourage you to be better for the kingdom of God. Nowadays, being faithful to church and being connected to a local church has gone out of fashion. And people, people will actually um, say that I can worship God at home just like I can worship God in church. My answer to that is absolutely not. You can't. You can worship God on your own throughout the week, and everything we do in our lives should be a form of worship. But there is something very special about coming together as a church, as a body of believers. Key word, body. Because the Bible says we are all parts of a body that come together. And if you're not there, that part of your body is not there. Some of you are missing parts of your body, right? I have, I have artificial joints in a couple places. I can tell the difference. I can absolutely tell the difference. If you're missing so, a part of your body, I remember my, uh, my grandpa Dudley uh, lost a finger. He was missing one index finger. And when I was a little kid, I thought that I was fascinated by that. And then... I talked to him about it, and, and he would tell you there were things that he couldn't do the way he used to because he was missing. One finger, man, you got nine more, yeah. right? You got nine more of those things. But he could tell it wasn't the same. There was, <laughs> not trying to be funny, but there was something missing. When you are not faithful to your local church that God has led you to, there's something missing on Sunday. You can't worship God at home the same way you worship him in church because you're not with the body. You're not with your family. You're not worshiping God in his presence with the body of Christ. It's important. 1 Corinthians 13, 33. Now this applies, remember, Paul wrote Corinthians, 1 and 2 Corinthians, two churches. So remember, when Paul wrote this verse that we have uh, put out into being 1 Corinthians 13, uh, 13, 33, he was speaking to church people. He was speaking to Christians. And he said this, do not be deceived. Bad company corrupts good morals. Christian, don't be deceived. Bad company in the church corrupts good morals. Bad company will destroy your good intentions. 
It is important that even in the church, you choose the right relationships, the beneficial relationships that will help you to grow in your faith, that will help you to sharpen your faith, that will help you to become who God has called you to be. Even in the church, it's important that you choose solid Christians as those who you ha will have the most influence in your life. The most influence in your life. Let me say this to you. If you've grown stagnant and cold in your walk with Jesus, check who it is that you're hanging out with the most and the relationships that you're spending time building. Because Christian, you get what you pay for. You absolutely get what you pay for. Anybody tried the new Whopper, the Impossible Whopper? Is that what it's called? The Impossible Whopper? Being a man of extra girth, yeah. <laughs> I love me a good Whopper. Seriously. Now, I, I, I tried the Impossible Whopper, and with enough ketchup and mayo, oh. it's good, but it's not a Whopper. It's not. There's no grease running down your arm from that beef that's been flame-broiled to perfection, right? It's a fake. It's a phony. If you're looking for a real Whopper and you order the Impossible Whopper, I'll just say this. You get what you pay for. You get what you pay for. The same thing in relationships, folks. You get what you pay for. In relationships in the church, you get what you pay for. What you invest is what will give you the return. If you're taking a soft attitude towards sin in your life and the lives of others, check out who it is in the church that's influencing you. What do you focus on? What is your focus in, in church? Are you here for political reasons? Wrong answer. Are you here for a social networking club? I know uh, we, there's a, Zach and I and Jonathan, we laugh about this every once in a while. There's a couple guys, I haven't seen it lately for the last few months actually, a couple guys that message us on, on the church Facebook page about do we have church dances and do we have many um, available women in the church? <laughs> No. No. Creeper. No. We don't. That's not what we're here for. That's not what the church is for. Hey, you might find a boyfriend or a girlfriend in church. You might even find the one you fall in love with and marry in this church. But if you come to church, like from the movie Coming to America, you want to find a good girl, you go to church, right? That's not what you go to church for, man. Like that, Melvin? That's not what you go to church for. Determine to be the peer that applies the godly pressure to the life and the lives of your friends in church. Remember this. Maya Angelou said, when someone shows you who they are, believe them the first time. Don't be surprised. When someone tells you who they are, 
Listen, that doesn't mean we drop people off and we, we cut them out of our lives. But when someone reveals to you that they have no desire to grow in the Lord, or they're not faithful in their, in their, their own personal walk with the Lord, and they're not faithful to church, then don't make that person one of your spiritual counselors and advisors in your life. We have to take that stand in our church. One of the things we're doing this year is the deacons are taking more of a role in, uh, the, in, in establishing the leadership and people in positions in the church. Because as the pastor, I don't ask the what if. I see people and what they can bring and, and their, their, their heart. Uh, you know, I, I see what, what they do and, and I overlook the what ifs. And that's a real character flaw if you're going to be a pastor. It truly is. So I need men that will say, okay, Batman, hold, pull, let's pull back on the reins a little bit, okay? Is this really going to be the person, is this really who we want and who we need to put? That doesn't mean people can't get involved, but we're talking leaders. And leaders have to be people who are above reproach in some areas. Martin Luther King Jr. said, in the end, we will not remember the words of our enemies, but the silence of our friends. Choose people who aren't going to be silent. When you're going down the road and the bridge is out, don't choose the person that says, oh, you'll be okay. You get enough speed, everything's just fine. Choose that person that's going to give you the warning, that is going to speak out and has the courage and the character to say, that's wrong. You're going the wrong way. And remember this, it's, it's better to be a small influence for building lives than to have no influence for Jesus at all. It's better to be a small influence in building lives than to have no influence for Jesus at all. Folks, relationships do build churches and relationships destroy churches. Whether it's going to build you or whether it's going to destroy you all depends on what you're willing to plant and invest in that relationship and what you know going into it. Ecclesiastes 4 verses 9 through 12 says, two are better than one because they have a good return for their labor. If either of them falls down, one, will, one can help the other up. But pity anyone who falls and has no one to help them up. Also, if two lie down together, they will keep warm. But how can one keep warm alone? Though one may be overpowered, two can defend themselves. A cord of three strands is not quickly broken. You see how quickly Solomon went from two to three? That's because those of us who choose to walk with Jesus should allow Jesus and make sure that Jesus is part of that strand of cord that we use to build the relationships, we the relationships that we have. And intertwined with the friendships we have should be the teachings and the power and the leadership of Jesus Christ. Because a three-strand cor three cord is not easily broken. What are you building in your life? are you building in your life? How are you approaching relationships in your life? How is the church influencing you? That's a, that's a bold question to ask. Is this church, influ are the relationships you have in this church influencing you for the good 
or are they influencing you for the bad? And what kind of influence are you having on the lives of others? Are you helping to build them in their most holy faith? Or are you just kind of helping them be stagnant like brackish backwater? Important questions to ask. Would you bow your heads with me in prayer? Father, thank you so much for the day we've had today. What a blessing. Lord, to see so many family members come out and support these uh, young parents as they dedicated their, their babies. Father, once again, we pray that you'll bless these families, bless these children, and may this church and these families as well be what these parents need to help them along the way. God, we know what you desire from a church. You want us to be a place that builds lives. You want us to be a place that reaches out and helps to build your kingdom. Lord, that's why it's so difficult to keep moving forward because we have an enemy attacking us at all times. And Father, it's so difficult to build relationships that are building of us as well in our faith. But it's not impossible. God, I pray that you will lead and guide and direct each and every one of us as we look to see who we will allow into our lives to help us in our walk with you. Lord, may we search out and may we seek out people that are beneficial and profitable. Would you give us discernment? Would you give us the courage to ask the hard questions and receive the answers? God, most importantly, would you give us the desire to plant the seeds of growth in you so that we might harvest the fruit of a godly life. Lord, would you bless us as we go from this place today? I pray that you will uh, bless each family, bless each guest, bless each new lifer that was here today. And God, may we take with us the knowledge of your word and the challenge of your word. Father, may we go forward from this place as worshipers, seeking to bring your word and your life and your light to a world filled with darkness. For your precious holy name, we pray and ask all these things. Amen.